0: This is, without question, one of the most astonishing staged as a non-candid photographs that I have ever seen in my life. Whether he knows it or not, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't actually realize what he's doing, he is telegraphing to the world the fact that Vladimir Putin is imprisoned. He's imprisoned in a prison that holds one person in it. He's got other cellmates to talk to, but basically the prison that he lives in and has lived in for quite a long time now is essentially constructed for one person. I'm going to get back to that in just a minute. In order to make the case that this guy doesn't have all his marbles together here and not, and not, in, not in the crazy dictator kind of way, because this prison that I'm about to talk about is one that afflicts everybody to certain degrees. But before we get to that, let's just take a quick look at at what he might have hoped to achieve in, in Ukraine. What could possibly have justified this decision to invade Ukraine from a purely practical point of view? The first category is Capability. Capability is not what you will do. Capability is what you can do. What are you capable of doing? What are the weapon systems that you're employing capable of doing? How many of the troops are you going to employ? How many weapon systems? How good are our airplanes relative to their airplanes? All of that. And in capability, prior to the invasion, certainly Russia had a crushing advantage in capability. But, but, every now and then, there's a joker that's inserted into the deck. And that joker comes in the form of a weapon system, a specific weapon, which you would think would not affect the equation very much at all. In a a country that has scores of missiles and, and any number of means of delivering them, wouldn't think that the addition of one or two missiles would make a difference, but it does. In Afghanistan, the Soviets were defeated because the United States supplied the Mujahideen with Stinger missiles. They're man-portable anti-aircraft missiles. Those Stinger missiles supplied by Ronald Reagan knocked out Soviet air power. The ability to attack, the ability to observe, all of that stuff, the ability to deliver troops. Once the Mujahideen could shoot down Soviet helicopters, the dynamic of the Afghan war changed completely for the Soviets. And in this war, it seems that the introduction of of another American-made missile, called the Javelin, an anti-tank weapon, has fundamentally changed the capability equation, that Vladimir Putin's advantage in tanks over the Ukrainian tanks, not only in quantity, but also in quality, is suddenly negated by the fact that it's not tanks that are taking out Russian tanks. As of 24 hours ago, some reports said 160 Russian tanks lost, Four thousand 300 men lost. Again, this information is a bit old and nothing can be verified. I suppose we need to keep saying that So capability is one thing. The second thing to consider is logistics Logistics is the ability to take your capability from one place put it someplace else and then keep it working there That's what logistics does it allows you to take your capability Move it to the theater where you want to engage it and keep it running now Russia has an advantage here because Ukraine borders on Russia and they've taken months to build up the forces that they had for their invasion. But once that starting gun fires and those forces that have been accumulated on the Ukrainian border logistically, once they go into actual action in Ukraine, now they become vulnerable to a supply chain issue, a logistical issue. For example, let's say that you've got five Russian main battle tanks that are Twenty miles inside your country, and you're a Ukrainian trying to defend your country against this. You can either go after those five main battle tanks, or, or you can come around behind them and attack the fifty unarmored trucks necessary to keep those tanks supplied with fuel, ammunition, food supplies, all the rest of it. If you can cut that supply chain, then that is as good as a kill on those tanks. A, A tank that is stuck in the middle of a field and can't move anywhere is a dead tank. And when you look at the Russians' ability to supply themselves, their logistical ability, it's actually as shockingly poor. There's no way that Russia had the military capability to, to take any kind of a size force anywhere other than on its borders. And already we realize that Putin is running against the clock. His forces are going to run out of supplies. And it's much easier to interdict, that is, cut a supply line, than it is to go head-to-head against what that supply line is supplying. The third thing I think to take into consideration probably called training. Do the people who you are sending into battle have the ability to use the weapon systems to their full capability, assuming that they can be supplied by logistics? Pretty simple issue, really. And my thought when I first heard that this invasion was on was that, oh, no, these these must be crack Russian troops. These must be the most highly trained, dependable troops that Vladimir Putin has. And what's terrifying is maybe they are terrifying to him, I might add. The soldiers involved in the invasion were told that they were going to maneuvers in the Crimea and were shocked to discover that they were about to invade Ukraine. Let's say for the sake of the argument for a moment that that's true. Imagine what that does to your morale. Ukraine is considered to be basically, certainly it's a Slavic country. We are now going to invade this country and kill fellow Slavs when we thought we were going on maneuvers. The army and the government lied to us and now we have to go in here And do this awful deed that none of us expected to do or wanted to do? I suspect, at least to some degree, those reports are true. And so, if you were forced to use essentially raw conscripts, it really doesn't matter what your capability might be. Your capability, your ability to do damage, is now limited by how much training and capability and competence do the people running those weapon systems actually have. And again, we're seeing after a week now, that Russian forces are dramatically underperforming compared to what we thought they would do by simply looking at their capability in terms of their tanks and their airplanes and all the rest. Something's not working for the Russians, that's pretty clear. Which brings us to the fourth and by far, by far, the most important element of these four elements in terms of your ability to go and win a military conflict. That fourth element is morale. There's no question that Vladimir Putin expected the Ukrainians to fold. There's no question that the president of the Ukraine, who's a former comedian, was expected to behave the way you would expect a former comedian to behave. Once Russian troops were in your country, it's time to get on a helicopter and get the hell out of there. That's what a stand-up comedian does when there are Soviet, beg your pardon, Russian tanks coming down the highway towards you. But he didn't do that. As a matter of fact, when the United States, who also thought he was going to run, called him up to give him a ride, we got a helicopter for you, we know you're about ready to go. He said, I don't need a ride, I need ammunition. And right in front of our eyes, in real time over the last seven days, we have watched the actions of one man encourage and hearten and stiffen the resistance of his entire country, which is a f- which is almost like a flash fire of positive feedback. This precisely what... Winston Churchill did when he found himself with his number one ally, France, surrendering, pretty much on the day he became prime minister, Britain alone, all of his advisors saying, we might as well just sue for peace, we have no chance against this Nazi war machine that's crushed Poland, crushed France, and and the stout and determined and vocal resistance of one leader rallied his entire country. And clearly that's what's happening in the Ukraine. It is simply astonishing to watch what happens when the leader of a country decides to put on a uniform and go to essentially the front lines and defy them, defy that enemy to kill him. And if the Russian conscripts, at least some of them, or many of them were lied to about going into battle against other Slavs, then the morale equation is, is so lopsided that it seems to be counterbalancing and perhaps even overbalancing The enormous Russian advantages in capability. On some level, the entire operation was predicated upon Vladimir Putin's certainty that people were going to behave a certain way. He clearly overestimated his own capability and reports are he's furious that it's not living up to that. But that's not really the issue. He can put as much force in there as he wants to. But he clearly thought that the Ukrainians were gonna fold, the Ukrainian president was gonna fly away and they'd be greeted as liberators. Many of the soldiers, again, 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 if these reports are true, thought they'd be greeted as liberators, not so. So what is going on in Vladimir Putin's mind? Well, Vladimir Putin's mind is encased in prison. Putin is imprisoned. He's imprisoned in a cage that he built for himself. And it's the same exact cage that every dictator builds for themselves. If your regime is predicated on absolute power and your governance is designed to be through patronage, in other words, I'm going to give money and power to somebody I know and they will go out and enforce my will, then what you end up with is a fully enclosed prison of your own devising. And that prison is simply this. If you are a dictator, there is no one to ever tell you that you're wrong. There's no one who will ever tell you that... You're over optimistic. There's no one who will ever tell you that your foundational theories might be wrong. There's no one who could ever tell you that maybe our weapon systems aren't performing as well as they should. This is endemic to Russia and the Soviet Union. Constant, 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 constantly sending to the Kremlin over optimistic and sometimes wildly over optimistic assessments of our own capability because of the fear of the consequences. And so, like Saddam Hussein and like Stalin and like Hitler you end up with a Worldview that is that is generated over time within a fully encasing steel sphere which you sit in the middle of and nothing penetrates it and That's the way it is. So any contrarian opinion on how this might go never got to Putin or if it did It didn't get to him twice, you can be pretty sure about that. If you don't understand why he's in the Ukraine, if you don't understand why Vladimir Putin invaded a sovereign nation, it's because according to Vladimir Putin, he did not invade a sovereign nation. He simply is liberating a Russian province. And this attitude I have seen everywhere from the Russians that I know. This attitude that, that Ukrainians are essentially Russian citizens kind of second class citizens but nevertheless they're russians they're citizens if i had to encapsulate based on all the input i've gotten over the years how russians feel about ukraine i think the best way i could put it would be to say that russia seems to feel like ukraine is a is a younger brother who they've given tons of money and support and 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 time and love to who nevertheless steals the family silverware and uses it to go out and get high and 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 basically just whore around on the streets. It's a disgrace to them. They can't understand it. They cannot understand it. Why Ukraine would want membership in the European Union, why Ukraine would want to be a part of NATO. The idea of Ukrainians being able to determine their own future is not only anathema to Russians, it's a contradiction in terms. This alien and, 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 um, and unnatural state of Ukrainians functioning as Ukrainians rather than as Russians, this is a historical anomaly as far as he's concerned. Why did a lunatic like Adolf Hitler come to power? Because of national humiliation, because a proud people had been made to feel like beggars, and they were looking for anyone who could restore them their sense of pride and remove the stain of their national humiliation. And Russian support for Putin is predicated on the same thing. Russian people looked at Boris Yeltsin as an absolute embarrassment, and Putin himself apparently was profoundly affected by a meeting, I think, of the G7 nations where where Boris Yeltsin and Russia was essentially asked to wait in the lobby. This kind of thing stings enormously. If you go from being one of the two superpowers in the world to being a country that's asked to wait in the lobby while the Western nations decide what to do with the world's economy, that kind of thing makes an impression. And the ability or the desire to remove humiliation is an astonishingly powerful motivation and provides virtually all of the support that Putin has enjoyed from the Russian people. So, since Ukraine belongs to Russia, Since they're little Russians, along with Belarus, they're three nations that make one nation. If we don't act now, every day it gets worse, and eventually Ukraine will become part of the Western alliance, that's NATO, and it'll be gone forever. The West is responsible. The West is undermining Russian power at every turn. It's an ongoing attack, and so the invasion of Ukraine is essentially a defensive measure on the part of Russia. Get it? Russia's being punished for not allowing the expansion of Western space to the east. Ukraine becoming an independent nation, and certainly Ukraine becoming a member of NATO, is considered by Vladimir Putin to be the West invading Russian territory. To people who think that Vladimir Putin was insane to invade Ukraine, you have to ask yourself the question... Would he not have been insane to not invade the Ukraine? Because he invaded Georgia in 2008, and we put some sanctions on him. And then he basically annexed Crimea, basically just took over what had been historically Russian territory, but basically legally ceded to the Ukraine, basically annexed that, and nothing happened to him. He invaded the Ukraine. I keep saying the Ukraine because it's drilled into me. The Ukraine is an insult to Ukraine. It. It encapsulates in it the idea that it's a part that belongs to somebody else. And I'm so used to hearing this over the course of the last 40, 50 years of my life that it's become almost second nature for me. I have to actually correct myself and correct myself to think it's not the Ukraine. It's not a territory. It's an independent nation, whether Vladimir Putin likes it or not. But his point about the West essentially being over China and Asian Pacific nations and so on, each one of them able to form its own little power blocks, no longer underneath the Western, specifically the American domination, this is what he's trying to achieve. And this is precisely the same kind of justification that the Japanese used when they overran all of these Asian nations prior to and and subsequent to the bombing of Pearl Harbor. The greater East Asian co-prosperity sphere. We're invading all of your countries. And we're murdering your people and we're taking over your governments, but it's for all of your good. You see, you'll no longer be under the control of the Anglo-Saxon nations. Now you'll be free to follow your own destiny under the control of Imperial Japan. Why didn't Russia at the end of the communist regime, why didn't they just become a European nation? Why were they constantly at war? Why are they constantly at war? Why could Poland, West Germany, Ukraine, even, even the, the stands, why could they, after communism loosened its rule because it could not support its terror anymore? It couldn't rule by force anymore. So it loosened those ties, and the second those ties were lo- loosened, all of these Soviet socialist republics just got away as fast as they could. When that happened, why didn't Russia become a nation in the European Union? Why didn't they share in the prosperity? Why? We look at the border between Russia and Ukraine, and we go all the way out to Moscow, and we say, wow, it's a lot of territory. But you really do need to get a map out, or a globe is even better, and see how much of Russia exists to the east of Moscow, which is virtually all of it. Only the rump end of Russia is part of Europe. It is an Asian country. It is an Asian empire. In fact, if you look at the globe, most of Asia is Russia. And this inability to disconnect itself, its inability to to find a way to become a cooperating neighbor with the successful countries of the world, has kept Russia down and will continue to keep Russia down. It's part of their history. It goes back a long, long way. Americans cannot conceive of the Russian psyche. It's not possible for us. We can try to understand it, but we'll never feel it. We will not know as Americans, we cannot know what it's like to have our country invaded throughout our entire history of thousands of years. Invaded by the Mongols, invaded by the Japanese, invaded by the Chinese, invaded by the Swedes, invaded by the French, invaded by the Germans. Last time the Germans invaded, 20 million Russian civilians killed, 20 million Russian soldiers killed. This is not a justification of invasion, on the contrary, but to understand Russia, you need to know that that is embedded in their DNA, that this constant paranoia of encirclement and invasion is what constitutes the Russian psyche. And more importantly than that, as it is impossible for us to really understand the Russian mindset, it is equally impossible for the Russians to understand the American mindset. Of course we plan on invading Russia, everybody else has invaded Russia, of course the West is planning to dismantle their empire and take over their territory. The idea that we wouldn't have any interest in doing that, that we have no interest in doing anything other than containing Russian aggression, is inconceivable to Russians. And it's inconceivable to Russians because we are the mirror image of Russia's history. We have essentially never been invaded. We, we, we'll, we'll let the War of 1812 go and we'll hold Canada responsible for, for that a little later, but for the time being, essentially. Ocean on one side, ocean on the other side, Canada to the north, Mexico to the south. None of these borders are militarized borders with military enemies, at least not yet. And the idea of invasion is inconceivable to Americans. So the idea that the country that has been invaded throughout all of its history is facing a country that has never been invaded, and therefore never wants to invade anybody, has no fears of invasion, is why we're in this mess in the first place. So Vladimir Putin is imprisoned. He's imprisoned by the same prison that every dictator has, surrounded by sycophants who never tell him anything other than what he wants to hear. But on a larger sense, he's imprisoned by his own philosophy that comes with Russia, The philosophy of being an outsider, the philosophy of being inferior, the philosophy of being laughed at, the philosophy of being humiliated, the pride that the Russian people feel, the anger and the resentment that they feel when Russia is diminished for whatever reason. The sense of ownership that white Russia, that that Rus' the center, the Russian Federation, that sense of ownership that Russia has over Belarus, Ukraine, and, to a fair degree, eastern Poland, and the Baltic states, and the stands all across the southern border. A sense of ownership. This is ours. These are our people. They never were their people. But if you grew up in a communist society that told you that they were, how would you know that? Vladimir Putin launched this invasion because he is imprisoned in his own mind, imprisoned by his own preconceptions and misconceptions, imprisoned by the fact that his worldview essentially does not connect to modern reality in any way shape or form. And whatever happens in Ukraine, the people who are going to suffer are going to be the Ukrainians who will never ever ever sit still for this assumption on the part of Vladimir Putin. And also the suffering will be paid by the Russian people because Vladimir Putin essentially owns Russia. He owns all of the oil and gas revenues. And when these sanctions start to bite, and they're biting already, it's not going to affect his standard of living, and it's not going to affect the standard of living of the people on the far end of that table who ostensibly give him advice. It's going to affect people like my mother-in-law and my stepdaughter. It's going to affect their abilities to get open a business, they can't travel, they won't be able to exchange money, they're gonna lose businesses, they're going to have trouble with food, and all the rest of it. All of it to keep this KGB man ensconced in his prison, looking out on a glorious future that doesn't exist anywhere, except in the prison of his own mind.